I am smelling super good right now because I got the Perfect Package 3.0 kit from Manscaped. Yes, it comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, all kinds of great stuff with that thing, man. It'll get you nice and tight. It's got the little light on there, so you make sure you don't hurt yourself. Uh, but it's Nick. You don't want to be nicking anything down there. You got three different kinds of great smelling stuff. The most comfortable pair of underwear I've ever had in my life. Really cool travel bag. Everything that you get from Manscaped. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that same promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that rich infused with CBD and endlessly delicious Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I have got uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, there's a number of things that I heard from Bud Black in a couple of different conversations yesterday that I wanted to run through and I extrapolate some of my own thoughts on how to manage a season of, of 82 games and under some of the rules that it looks like we're going to get some of the unique ways that might impact the Rockies. And if we've got time, a start of a fun conversation that we uh, began, began today on uh, Twitter uh, re with regards to like applying analytics to old baseball movies. That was just kind of fun. Uh, but I also want to make sure that we get Patrick in. That's just too up his alley to leave him completely out of that conversation. So um, we'll make sure to, if we do start that conversation, we'll see how long the managerial stuff goes. Any questions, obviously, that you all may have here joining us live on the uh, Twitch, the Twitter, Facebook, however it may be. Remember, we're doing these typically in the afternoons. You can find us on any of those places. You can subscribe to them to make sure that you don't miss anything. So <clears throat> let's begin. Oh, and John, I'll have to check out that uh, OOTP or OOT, as I like to call it, uh, series on YouTube for sure. I've checked out some marble racing. And we are going to have, I'm glad you reminded me of this, uh, so if you're watching live in just a few hours from now, we're going to have a sim of uh, classic Rockies versus more modern Rockies. Patrick and I will doing uh, will be doing play by play and commentary. We'll have some clips of that for all of you listening to this on the podcast. We'll be doing multiples of those potentially um, another one on Friday or over the weekend. Uh, we could have several of them next week, depending on how you all feel about them. So again, remember to subscribe to the Twitch channel so that you don't miss any of that. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. <clears throat> so on to the main topic of conversation. 
Yesterday, Bud Black went on a morning radio program uh, that I've been on several times with our friends over at Altitude Sports. Josh Dover, usually running the board over there, Scott Hastings uh, and the crew. And there were some interesting things that came out of that. And then later in the day, Bud Black took part in the Rocky Mountain Sabre event over Zoom, uh, as most of you know. Uh, I'm a member of Rocky Mountain Sabre. Our guy, Patrick Lyons, is a board member or a, a, a top dog, a head honcho cheese, I believe is some sort of, he's in the leadership of the Rocky Mountain Sabre. I should know his official title. Do I? I don't. I don't know it, but um, I should. Uh, either way, so we're we're in on all those meetings and, and we listen to him uh, take questions for a while as well. Some of them were just, you know, tell us some great stories from the good old days and uh, he did that, and uh, that was fun, but I won't be reiterating much of what he said there. Instead, I'll, I'll stick to some of the more relevant things about the upcoming season and the Colorado Rockies in particular. I will just say, and this is honestly a little bit just for my own, just to tell you, um, I'm going to keep this conversation away from talk that was had, both in the radio interview and during the Sabre event, Uh about the the medical side of it, about the science of it, about the players and the owners, we, we've 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 gone into that, right? We did a deep dive on that stuff over the last couple of days. We'll have to get back into it for today. <clears throat> I would just for a moment like to step away from the argument or or, or just the conversation about will baseball come back. And if so, what do other medical things need to look like? Let's just put, for all of us, right, for, for a moment, let's put that aside for just a second and think about just the baseball parts of what does it look like if we get an 82-game season that plays out, right? Let's, let's forget all the other things and just talk about the baseball side because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Uh, first of all, I did want to note – that in the Altitude interview, uh, Bud Black made it clear that um, most people knew that the Padres, or the, I don't know, the Padres, you got to get stuff like this right. You can't say the wrong team, to the Astros. I don't know what, the, the sign-stealing stuff with the Astros. He had a good quote that I, I tweeted, as he said, uh, sort of, you know, most of us knew that something was going on and that, that lines have been crossed and, and it was time that something was done about it. And I, I thought that that was a, a pretty good line as well. So <clears throat> that was sort of the one non-Rockies thing. I'm going to make sure that I didn't forget that. Um, I, I Let me start with what he said uh, when it comes to uh, getting the players together in general. So one of the things he mentioned is that there's more than likely you know, going to be a, a shortened spring training here, that they're probably looking at more like a three-week spring training and then he feels like most of the position players are going to be okay and ready to go but there may even be the potential that we start the regular season without every single starting pitcher stretched out now a lot of that's going to have to do with how these guys have taken care of themselves at home and 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 how much they've had the ability to do so and in fact our guy Patrick Lyons wrote a fantastic article this morning make sure you're subscribed to the dnvr.com you go and read it where he got into how that's going to become like one of the most important player skills is not necessarily, you know, how fast your fastball, how good your contact ability, but 
how well have you taken care of your body during this time off and how well are you going to be conditioned to handle whatever this season looks like, whether there are double headers or there's just very few days off. It seems like a lot of those things are possibilities. And beyond that, if there are going to be expanded rosters, which again, it looks like is a strong possibility, almost a, a must have in order to make all of this work that, you know, those guys in the 27 to 40 or 45 man spot on your depth chart, that, it, that that's going to be a major differentiating factor. How well are they conditioned? Uh, can they step right in? Will they be ready to go? <clears throat> you know, especially for a lot of these pitchers that, that it's going to be a difficult balance for the manager and the GM and for people to, to figure out. And it will be interesting to see now the flip side of this. And, and here's some good news for Rockies fans, because if you ask me and judging by, you know, just you know, listening to the show to some degree, I suppose you have um, the weakest part of this Colorado Rockies team is if I had to pick one unit of the team, if we're looking at it that way, I would say the bullpen. If I'm trying to give a typical Drew answer of getting weird and nuanced and being like, well, actually there are certain members of the bullpen I'm, I have a lot more confidence in than, than probably the consensus. And if that plays out properly, I actually think the Rocking, Rockies have the makings of the very good back end of a bullpen. Let me evidence that claim. I'll try to get back on track real quick. But, it, you know, whether Scott Oberg is your closer or not, he's the guy I've got the utmost confidence in. And whether he's your closer or not, he's going to provide you with roughly the same value in my estimation. I buy the metric analytic argument that you don't even necessarily want your best reliever as your closer that it's actually more valuable to have that guy so that you can put him against the other team's best hitters or in a situation that is a bit more dire in either the seventh or eighth inning. And I'm totally fine with Scott Obert being that guy. Of course, the big X factor is, does that mean that Wade Davis is the closer? Now, there's a scenario under which, again, I don't think that that's a huge problem. Um one other caveat that I guess needs to be held over this entire conversation, right, is that it sounds like, um, at the very least, Rockies games more than likely would take place at Coors Field. That I, I've seen, and, and nothing has been decided, so we're all speculating here, but less talk about all of the games in Arizona and Florida, and now more talk about they actually could play games kind of at the home ballparks, at least in the states that have agreed to it and, and open back up and all of those things. Again, we're not going too far down that rabbit hole, but <clears throat> if that's the case, then, you know, I'm a little more worried about Wade Davis, but anyone who listened to the podcast during the off season and up through spring training, um, and even was watching Wade Davis in spring training and reading some of the stuff about the injuries he went through and just looking at the splits from last year. There's just a lot of it. I just feel like there's a lot of evidence on the table to suggest that Wade Davis, at the very least, is not going to be the absolute disaster he was a year ago. Not only that, I do wholeheartedly believe that if he starts to go in that direction, 
the Rockies will have a much quicker incentive to switch to Scott Oberg much faster. One, because they know he can do it. They've seen it out of Oberg a bit more now. And two, because if there's only 82 games, they kind of matter double, right? So those blown saves really do start to kill you. Uh, there could be other options that emerge too. I don't see it being outside the realm of possibility or even close to. In fact, I I fully suspect one of either Jairo Diaz or Carlos Estevez, once they get back out there, to be shoving, to be back-end quality. So you pair that with Oberg and then whatever you're getting out of Davis, you actually feel pretty good. I, I should say I feel pretty good about that. I understand why anybody would say, no, there's one guy I've got confidence in, and it's Oberg. If you don't have confidence in Oberg at this point, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to tell you. I could run through all of Scott's numbers, but I, I would just ask you to go to his, his baseball reference page <laughs> at this point. Um, but... Uh, the other guys, I, I get why there would be a lack of confidence there. The good news on the other end of this is the rest of the bullpen that we all agree is a big, gigantic question mark is going to be a lot less of an issue. They're just going to be relied upon. Middle relief is far more important because of the length of a 162-game season and the body's literal physical ability to recover after throwing a certain number of pitches right so condensing the number of games doesn't change a pitcher's ability to recover more right you don't need to make sure that you've got guys available to go for those extra 80 games that aren't going to be played. So you don't need to use your long relievers as often. And you can play. We, we talk about this a lot. And I feel like I've, I've come on this podcast many times over the years after a loss where it seems like maybe the manager could have pushed a few extra buttons, pulled a few extra levers, got the better guy, better reliever, it was a tie game or they were down by one and they had a chance and they, they brought in the, the minus side reliever because they were down one in the seventh and the minus side reliever gave up four runs and, and the other team kind of ran away with it. And you go, why didn't they just bring in Stevez was there and they, they could have brought him in. I know they're the minus side, but you give your guys a chance to win at home. Well, now in an 82 game season, more often than not, you're making that move. You're down one in the seventh. You're going to use a plus side reliever, not a minus side reliever, because you don't have to play the long game as much. And because every win or loss matters that much more. And so because of that, the Rockies will have the ability, uh, the, the, that's the wrong word, um, the environment such that they can find success by relying on their four best relievers. That leaves two questions. One, will they be, will they have the capability? That's kind of why I wanted to leave that word on the table, the ability or the capability uh, to employ it properly. 
would they pull Wade Davis if he started to blow too many saves? Uh, would they ride the hot hand even so much that if it's Jairo Diaz who comes out and he's on fire, you make him the closer just, and you just go with it. And you say, look guys, it's an 82 game season. All options are on deck, but really, you know, and I think James Pazos is going to work into this too. I actually think he's a, he's the fifth guy in the bullpen that really, so if you got five guys in your pen who are pitching mostly well, you can win a lot more games on that than you used to could, if I may borrow a phrase, right? And uh, I just think there's a lot of, yeah, Annika, kind of like a bullpen by committee. And we talked about this when we talked about the 1995 Rockies team, the way it, it had arguably the best bullpen uh, in terms of their results in the history of the franchise and did not have one set closer. It was Bruce Ruffin. It was Steve Reed. There were other guys picking up saves. It was, it really depended on your opponent that day, how their lineup was setting up, how the game was unfolding. And I've talked to Bud Black a lot about this on and off record. And he has talked about how bullpen strategy is basically the only thing that he feels like you really have to think about differently at Coors Field. And he tries to normalize everything else. But when he's thinking about his pen, he's got to be aware that at any given moment, a bunch of runs could be scored, a bunch of extra pitches could be thrown, and then not having that guy because he threw 30 pitches on the second day of a homestand, and now you don't have him the next day, and you don't have him the day after that can really, really hurt you. But it hurts you a lot less in an 82-game season. Especially if they can hit on one of those guys. Right? Will asks, how many heads would explode if the Giants or Dodgers can't play most of their games in California and play a significant part of their home games in Denver? A lot. Hopefully those people would learn something. They could come out, they can have a Breck brew, they can order the 15-pack, the 15-can sampler pack. It's so good. You get all kinds of good stuff in there. I'm really digging that mile-high copper lager as of late. Great summertime drinking beer. If you're sitting out, this is what I'm doing to try to get my son. I sit I sit out on the back porch. I've got a very small little back patio area with my dogs. We lay in the sun. I drink my mile high copper lager out of the 15 can sampler pack. Uh, and I listen to Korean baseball on the radio or on the on the Twitch. I listen to it like it's radio and I don't understand a word that's that's going on. That was the joke. I, I don't know if, if that joke landed. Listening to Korean baseball, get it? Okay. I don't, in case any of you thought maybe I spoke the language. I think maybe, maybe I ran that one into the ground. Hey, if you want to be smarter than me and not run your jokes into the ground, you should check out MSU Denver Online. Uh, they got all kinds of great stuff there. Classes for whether or not you're trying to finish out a degree, whether you want to start a whole degree, or whether you just want to get a few extra skills under your belt. Now is a great time to be taking online courses and doing so at a place that isn't tacking it on or just now in these times, as they say, trying to figure out how to do online education. Online education is what our friends over at MSU Denver are doing. They're phenomenal at it. Uh, like I said, you can check out, they've got over 750 different classes that you can check out. Uh, they're all taught by really fantastic professors. You can find a sense of community that maybe you could be missing uh, from 
<laughs> just life. Uh, there, uh, there is interaction with other students, uh, certainly depending on the classes, there can be sharing of projects and all kinds of things. Make sure you check them out at msu.denveronline.edu. MSU all right. So, oh, John, that's an interesting question. When will there be a female coach for the Rockies? I don't know. I don't know. I would imagine that that's a thing that's going to happen before too long. Actually, I, I would think um, probably front office personnel um, in terms of the the just it, and, and I say that because of the way I've seen the Rockies uh, approaching their um, front office a bit differently over the last couple of years. And they've been rearranging things and they have been. And I, and I know, you know, <laughs> there's a big debate about this and it's not as much as people have wanted, um, but they have been implementing more analytics. They have been making that a bigger part of what they do and not to oversimplify things, but I do think it that I do think the more you get away from the notion that you particularly have to have X players, like even a lot of the guys, like even Jeff Breidich, right. Who's like the Harvard or whatever. And that does have a bit more of an analytic mind and nobody really thinks of like as an X player, like he was a catcher in college. He, he played definitely, you know, played the game. And, and there are plenty of women who played the game, either softball or baseball at, at any number of levels. And it's always good to have that in there too. But I think there, that's one of the things that's made it, especially because there has been a separation between baseball and softball over the years, just more comfortable for teams to be like, well, you know, we want you to have some experience on the game. Well, now there are more women who do prefer to play actual baseball and not just softball. So they do have experience in the game. And so I think I, it's actually just a, an, an inevitability. It'll, I would put the over under at three years before there's a woman either coaching or, or working in the front office for the Rockies and, and, you know, it shouldn't have to be said, but obviously one who's earned that spot um, <clears throat> through any number of things. And yeah. And the, the giants have done some uh, really great and interesting things out there. And, and the other thing is too, you know, just having anything that starts to feel like it's a marketing efficiency, you know, like, Oh, that's really working. Uh, we're going to take a look at that. So I think that stuff like that can just catch on. And no, Will, I did not see Roberto Ramos's most recent home run. I imagine it was absolutely squadooshed. Uh, <laughs> the guy, he a big boy with a big swing, and that's a league where nobody ever has ever told anyone ever to cut down on their hack, maybe take the ball the other way. That's not happened once. Those guys go up there looking to hit the ball to the moon, and I appreciate that. Annika, I totally understand uh, why you would say, and, and most people I should say would agree with you when you say you don't feel like the Rockies do much with analytics. It's, it's difficult for me to go through this entire conversation, uh, for a number of reasons. One is it's, it's super duper complicated. And another is that I know, uh, a little bit more here than I can fully talk about. And it's, it can be a little bit of a trap for me um, because in trying to, I don't know, defend is the right word, but in trying to explain what I feel like the Rockies have done well and are doing well, 
um, I think I might have to to talk about some things that, frankly, you probably wouldn't want me to to put out there um, from a competitive standpoint. It's um, it's yeah, but I'll, I I've said it many ways, and and I've I'm what I'm I'm trying to prove certain things publicly uh, through publicly available data, and it's difficult to prove. But there's a, oh, no, 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 <laughs> paint me in a corner all you want, all day. That's what I'm here for. Um, they're still figuring it out. And I think fairly so because they've understood. Here's here's what else, the biggest thing I say, I'll say in their favor. And I think they figured out about six or seven years ago that they need to do things a bit differently based on their home ballpark. And not from a, we can only have like, okay, (laughs) I'm getting into the weeds a little bit here, but for a long time in what you could loosely call the, the Bill Guy vet, but also a bit of Dan O'Dowd era, you know, largely in response to the success that guys like Pedro Estacio and Aaron Cook had had pitching for the Rockies. Those being sort of the model pitchers of the first 15 years of Rockies baseball. The idea was you got to, they got to hit the ball on the ground. And because the the ball doesn't break as much here, we're never going to be able to get as many strikeouts and there's the light air and the ball's flying through the air. So just don't let them hit the ball in the air, put the ball on the ground. That's what Astacio did. That's what Aaron cook did. Let's only get guys who throw sinkers. And that kind of became a mantra for a while. And it's, blew up in their faces in terms of drafting and developing. Um, And it was just too limited and too restricted. And it became sort of the general consensus. And I agreed with it at the time that the Rockies were playing scared of their home ballpark right? We can only get guys that do this. We have to feel, you know, that it just, it became so restricted and so limiting. And I think, and the first sign of this to me was when they brought in the new head of pitching, whose name I'm blanking on right now, Mark Wiley, and instituted a a different sort of hands-on across organizational pitching philosophy that adapted to each guy with the understanding that one day you are going to pitch at Coors Field. And they started moving the minor league ballparks around. They put one in Grand Junction. They made sure they got one down in Colorado Springs. They got out of certain areas they felt like were really hampering the development of their pitchers. And in the draft, they stopped worrying about a specific set of pitches that a guy has or whether or not they could take somebody like Tyler Matzik and completely rework him into the kind of pitcher that they wanted him to be. Just took guys who were good at what they did. I'm talking about guys like John Gray, Kyle Freeland. And and there's your perfect example that Mark Wiley hired in 2013. The Rockies in that year of the draft take John Gray with the first pick. John Gray was at the time throwing 102 miles an hour uh, out of Oklahoma. He was expected to be a very quick riser through the system, a consensus top three pick, 
fastball slider out of this world. We'll see if he learns a third pitch. Who gives a damn if he sits on triple digits? Surefire take. The Rockies take him, right? The next year, the, I think the pick is eight or nine. They take a lefty who's topping out at 93, 94 miles an hour, who's going to take a little bit longer, who's maybe got some injury concerns at the time that people didn't like his delivery, whether or not that was going to work. There was, uh, But there were comp- comparisons to Chris Sale. Um, and those two pitchers could not be more different in their draft profile. You could not argue that John Gray and Kyle Freeland were both pur- purposefully made for Coors Field based on their stuff, right? There's no way that's not pot. They can't both be. It's one or the other. But they don't think of it like that anymore. They took the best pitcher with the best, and they really started putting an emphasis on, and I know some people hate this, uh, especially when it comes to their pitching, on what's up here. Every time I talk to Zach Wilson, Jeff Breidich, or um, uh, John Weil, any of these guys who've done this work, and, and they know that some reporters hate hearing it, and they don't like writing it, and, and the, the math guys don't want to talk about it, but it really was about mental ability who and character and how strong they thought these guys were, and they felt very confident taking both of them. And so, Annika, you're right to say, so then where did they go with, with Pint? And the point of that story, by the way, was not to say, and now all of their drafts have been awesome and they haven't missed it all. I'll, I'll get to Pint in just a second. Uh, but, but the point was more to say, I don't believe in the previous administration they would have ever taken a pitcher. Now, him being from Denver may have swayed them a little bit, but a pitcher with the profile of Kyle Freeland. Um. Or those guys back to back, and or even then Pint. Now, I still think Riley Pint could turn into a decent reliever. He's still very young. It hasn't worked out for him. Sometimes the command just doesn't doesn't get there. There's no guarantees in this game, um, you, you know. And I, and I do think there's been a little bit of a you know, does he have what it takes? Does he really want to tighten it up? He's just trying to live off of that natural. 100-mile-an-hour stuff where guys like Gray and Freeland really, really put in the work. And you can only get to know a kid so much before you draft him. You know, your, your scouts can do everything they can do. Uh, but I, I, I haven't given up on Riley Pint yet. But the idea is I think they've got now a building and growing philosophy about how to – not just run away from the problems of Coors Field, but the, how to find guys who will excel there and how to find guys who are mentally capable of handling the home and road and home and road and to and from altitude and and the whole thing. And I think it's paid off. I think that their appearances in the postseason in 17 and 18 are directly related to these philosophical decisions. And of course, it doesn't mean that now they're doing everything right, right? Pint, big mistake, free agency has still been a massive issue. Uh, they've done pretty well on the trade market, uh, but their draft and develop, you know, for every, and there's only one or two guys that have been high picks that have not panned out. Pint's one of them. 
let's not put Rodgers in that category, by the way. I still think Brendan Rodgers. And, Sean, I, I see your question here. Yeah, I think an 82-game season with DH would be great for Brendan Rodgers. Don't have to worry about the shoulder if you can get him in there at DH sometimes. <clears throat> but the thing is, there are always in baseball – now, this year we're only going to have five rounds in the draft, but there's 40 rounds in the draft normally. <clears throat> and there's, you know, seven teams in every organization your triple A, your double A, high A, low A. Uh, you probably got an in between that one, and then a rookie ball, and then a Dominican league. And then if you're the Rockies, you've got another Dominican league. So that's eight. And you got to fill out all that. There's a lot of players, and there's a lot of guys who just aren't going to make it. So we were talking about the 2013 draft just a minute ago. John Gray taking number three overall. Taking number two overall, Chris Bryant, Chicago Cubs. Taking number one overall was a pitcher who retired before he ever made the big leagues, Mark Appel. And he was taken by, at the time at least, arguably, you know, the consensus, everybody, the smartest team in baseball, Houston Astros. We'll see, you know, were they smart or were they just – Whatever, but they had had so many development success stories. And then the guy they took number one overall in the draft never made it to the big leagues. So, yeah, the Rockies have Riley Pint, but they also have Sam Hilliard, who was taken in the 15th round of the draft, which means every team in baseball had an opportunity to take this kid at least 14 times and did not, including the Rockies. The Rockies took a flyer on him late and have turned him into a kid who just hit like 400 over the month of September and ruined Josh Hader's whole day and arguably ruined the Milwaukee Brewers' season. That was a 15th-round pick. Scott Oberg was a 15th-round pick, and now he's one of the best relievers in baseball developed under this organization. None of Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, or Trevor Story were top 20, top 30 picks in the draft. Again, every team in baseball had an opportunity to grab one of those guys, and they didn't. The Rockies picked them. They didn't know what they were going to turn into. You go back and read the early reports on Nolan Arenado or Charlie Blackman. Remember when Corey Sullivan was on this podcast saying the the players used to call Charlie Blackman a, a poor man's Corey Sullivan? Sure, a lot of that's on Charlie and what Nolan turned himself into. But there's a lot more of these stories that I, I think the Rockies, you know, again, Trevor Story was a long, long-term development project and a guy who was almost never rated as a top 100 prospect, especially after a really bad year he had in Modesto. And when I talk to these guys, who do they give credit to? I mean, you can go back and listen to Nolan Arenado again on this very podcast, and we talked about the fact that he was not drafted or seen in his early days of the minors or even his late days as the minors as a great defender. We went back and watched his uh, a game a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, who even knows, 10, 12 years ago, we watched a, <laughs> a game where he hit a walk-off home run as a rookie. And the announcers in that game were talking about how he had a great contact skill. He was a really great hitter in the minors. There was just some questions about, you know, how his defense was going to pan out. L-M-A-O. 
but we were all there. And when I asked Nolan about that, what, what, what happened between then and there? He said, Jerry Weinstein kicked his ass, basically made him give a damn, forced him to care about playing defense because of a coach that's been in the Rocky system for a very, very long time. At one point was the manager of the double A's done a bunch of other stuff. I actually could not tell you. Uh, he's been a catching guru. Uh, I could not tell you what his current job is, but Jerry Weinstein took Nolan Arenado from a really, really good hitting prospect and turned him into one of the best defenders and helped him turn himself into one of the best defenders who's ever lived. All right, some technical issues mean that I am going to wrap it up there. I want to thank everyone for listening into this episode of the podcast. Make sure you're following on all the social media. You head over to dnvrlocker.com to get yourself some cool merch. Any other cool stuff that you need, we got it all out there, whether you're checking for some video content, some more articles. Uh, Patrick's been doing all kinds of retrospectives. I'm going to have more thoughts coming up for you on the draft on all of the stuff between the players and the owners, uh, all that stuff. Make sure you read Patrick's article on all of that as well. In the meantime, thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.